Homeschooling is often a movable feast of learning with co-ops, field trips, and cultural experiences woven into the fabric of family life. But the family van can also be a place where learning happens in ways both natural and innovative. Today's guest is Marine veteran and homeschooling veteran Teresa Hansen, here to tell us her story, Car Schooling, My Joyful Journey. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. Today we're talking with Teresa Hansen about her story, Car Schooling, My Joyful Journey. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and let me introduce to you somebody who's been a real kind of one of those heart people in our homeschool network that everybody's drawn to and everybody knows and everyone's life has been improved by and she's getting embarrassed. Uh, Teresa Hansen is wife to Eric for 31 years. She's mother to seven. Those children are ages 26 to 14. And here's what Teresa says. Eric and I met at the Ohio State University in the NROTC program. We were both marine options. We were both deployed in support of Operations Desert Shield and Desert Storm. I also deployed to Somalia in support of Operation Restore Hope. I truly enjoyed being an active duty marine, but after having our second child, I had no desire to deploy and leave our children. So while I do believe that becoming a marine is a calling, I also believe that for me, motherhood was a higher calling. We didn't decide to homeschool right away. In fact, I tried to discourage one of my friends. As our family grew, we kept having homeschooled families put in our path. So we embraced the chaos and joined the homeschooling ranks. We've employed a few family mottos over the years. First was embrace the chaos. Then came forced family fun, followed by Hanson's help. <laughs> and she closes with Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Welcome to the program, Teresa. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to have you here. I wasn't kidding when I said Teresa's one of those heart people in our network. <laughs> Anytime your name is mentioned, everyone lights up. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so true. All right. So just step us into how you even got homeschooling. That's kind of an interesting story by itself. Oh. <laughs> okay. So my joyful journey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So I'd say that homeschool used to be the road less traveled, but now it's got a lot of fellow travelers on it. And I was one of those ones who did not want to travel the homeschool road. I was in the Marine Corps still, and one of my girlfriends was just getting out of the Marine Corps. She was like, I'm going to homeschool my kids. I said, you are mean. That is so mean. School's so much fun. Why would you want to do that? And just like totally countered everything she said. She's a godparent of one of our children, so we love her very dearly. And then like five years later, I'm like, okay, I'm homeschooling. So what did you do next? So I know what I'm going to be saying no to that I'm going to say yes to. So, but yeah, so she was um, the first one. And then we moved to Virginia and went from Hawaii to Virginia and all these people, people across the street homeschooled, all these people in our church homeschooled, everywhere, homeschool families everywhere. And they were lovely. I just thought, wow, these families, they just interact so beautifully. And then we were moving back to Hawaii. And Hawaii is, at the time, was 48th out of 50 in the nation as far as public schools and how great they are right there with Arkansas. So we decided that, well, we can't afford private school because I got other Marine Corps and we were on one salary. So 
we chose to try that homeschooling like all of our neighbors and friends were doing. And that's where we took the plunge was when we moved to Hawaii. So our oldest was going to be a kindergarten and first grade combined. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't help thinking that as much as the Marine Corps was a calling, God had in mind preparing you for homeschooling when he put you in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Put you in command of troops and watching out yeah. for everybody and bringing them along. And <laughs> It's a lot like that, yes. Exactly. I feel like I really want you to teach us all a course in Marine schooling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, so that's really neat. I love, I've heard this so many times by some of my favorite homeschoolers, some of the most inspiring homeschoolers that at first they were like, you've got to be crazy. I would never do that to my kids. <laughs> it's just so funny how often that happens. Yeah. So and 20 so, years later, we're still doing it to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, so you kind of step this into this idea of being on the road and this journey. Say a little bit more about what that means to you as far as being on this journey with every with everyone who was doing it and so forth when we first started there weren't a lot of us um and um it has grown greatly but like i would say on the road there's especially right now there's potholes but there's speed bumps on the road there's potholes on the road there's roadblocks on the road i was a roadblock on the road and there's detours on the road sometimes to make changes like some of our kids went to high school some didn't some you know made different choices so all those things are parts of your travel and you have to how are you going to how are you going to adjust when you come upon one of those are you going to slow down for the speed bump are you going to make the detour are you going to you know go around the pothole you're going to go through the pothole and sometimes it's painful when you go through potholes and sometimes it's painful to go around them so just you know all those things are part of our journey and as a family of seven, well, actually family of nine, we're in the car a lot. My kids are very active in sports, in music, you name it, we tried it, different classes. So, you know, when you have a lot of little kids and you have no family around, you're driving. You didn't have grandma come over and watch the little kids. Everyone was in the car with me. They were always there until someone was old enough to stay home and babysit. So, because my husband was in the Marine Corps still and he was rarely home just traveled a lot for his for his work so we were in the car a lot and so we did a lot of school in the car <laughs> so that's how we started our journey of car schooling i can hear shrieks of terror some out there in the world of listeners going wait a minute he was away and you were homeschooling all by yourself and you had all those kids in the car that doesn't sound like fun but you guys managed it was joyful. Yeah, yes indeed Joyful. I would say that's definitely a word that describes the Hansons. Tell us about that. Well, just like when they were older or younger, when the oldest ones were younger, they were like eight, six, four, two, and new. So we were doing a play in Hawaii. We're still in Hawaii at this point, and we're doing Shakespeare plays. So we were driving in Hawaii. Everything is like within an hour's drive. We were driving, of course, to the farthest point, an hour to get to where the play was going to be. And so we had these rehearsals, you know, going on. So we would just drive there. And on the way there, we'd be practicing different songs. We learned all these geography songs on the way to, um, on the way to play practice. And then we started doing uh, dinner theater at home. So kids would memorize some poems in the car and then they would dress up and perform for us at night. You know, like they, they did Abraham Lincoln, Hannah and Hank both did that one. They both got their top hat and tails on and they did, you know, four score and seven years ago because they had it memorized because we just listened to it over and over in the car. 
So those are how we started doing things in the car. And I was just amazed at how many things they did learn just from hearing it over and over again and singing along and, and whatever. And people think, well, Shakespeare, you know, they're little. Then we went to a, a family reunion and one of the, um, you know, pinata, and it was a donkey's head. And as soon as it was over, my son, who was only probably eight at the time, went and put it on his head, he goes, I'm bottom. And he starts doing the things from, from uh, Midsummer's Night's Dream. And my uncle's like, I wanted to say that, but I thought no one would get it. And here your eight-year-old's doing it. So yes. I mean, truly, we learned so much being in the car. <laughs> so be amazed what they do learn. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. And and I know that there are some wonderful resources out there, too, for things that they can listen to in the car, like those great, like epic poems and famous speeches by Lincoln and other greats and and learning you know, the, the states or the presidents or the continents by heart in different fun ways with music and all that. Um, how did you start to incorporate that? I mean, it started off with you all in the car together. Where did you get the idea to be doing all this work in the car while you were in transit? Well, just, um, I always liked, uh, we, I'm big on doing nursery rhymes with the kids. I always thought no matter who how old the oldest was, the youngest one deserves to have the nursery rhymes too. So the older kids were always patient and we always listen to nursery rhymes with the little kids. We had a CD player and a tape player in the van. So we have a 15 passenger van. Should put that out there. We have a very big van. So lots of space. And no one had headphones and we had no video in the van either. So I always start with nursery rhymes. And then I, there must have come an ad with it or something. And there was this geography, sing yourself smart. So we started doing that. And actually all of us, I loved it because I thought, I could really learn some geography here too. So it was a lot of fun for all of us. And the kids memorized it so quickly. And that was just a lot of fun. And then we started doing um, state cards. So at home, I had these little state cards and we'd flash them. And uh, it was just the picture of the state would be in red and all the stuff around it would be in like green or blue. And you, they would tell you the names of stuff around it. You know what the, what the blank was in the middle. And they saw, I started giving them a nickel for everyone they got right. And wouldn't you know what the third kid was the fastest because he wanted money. He was inspired by money. So motivated by money. So we started doing that. So they would do races. And then eventually, you know, somebody had to close their eyes for five seconds. So somebody else got a chance to answer. But all the kids have been involved with that. And I tell you, that's the way they learned how their states, what they look like, where they were, just by doing that, all from singing the song first. Then we go to the cards later. So that was pretty cool. So Sing Yourself Smart was great. And then from there, one of our friends said, oh, we've been using Ness family. They have a 36 living principles in American history. I'm like, oh, okay. So we got that one. And that was from Christopher Columbus through, I think, World War II. And the kids, it's all stories, all acted out. And it's all audio. They loved it. And then we got the Your Story Hours, which is like a 1949-ish radio program kind of thing. And it was um, Bible heroes, American heroes, uh, Louis Pasteur, you know, international heroes. So just the history my kids learned was incredible. I mean, truly, I didn't realize how much we, I had learned so much, how much we all learned until they're actually taking tests and they're like testing other stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> Just from wow. listening to the same stories over and over. And then all of a sudden you see a light bulb go off and they're like, wait, on our timeline, this guy was talking at the same time this guy was. So these two things happened at the same time. I'm like, even like light bulb moments were just incredible with young kids, like six and eight years old. It was, that was like, like, Ooh, good job. <laughs> Made up for those times when things aren't going so well. So, right. Right. The speed bumps yeah. in the potholes. <laughs> yes, yes. Avoid those. 
But yeah, so that was really great. And then we had to start doing math. We started doing math songs in the car to memorize. So we started skip counting, like two, four, six, eight, you know, just like all those little songs, little ditties. And I mean, it's so funny to watch your kids go to, you know, they just, you know, they just start singing their little song to do their math. It's just, it all worked out though. It all yeah. works out. Yeah. And when we engage them in that way too, where they're, they're using music and memory and in their heads, the more visual ones are also making pictures as they memorize and sing along. And so the, the brain is firing on a lot more cylinders and they're together. There's that communal aspect of just fun and family bonding. And I feel like the way God has woven us together, he has to be very pleased and bless that kind of learning. And we've just, we've just seen children love it. They have so much fun. I have to say though, there are moments when you have seven kids of different ages in the car where the oldest ones really do not want to hear the timeline song one more time. And the thing is they were done with the timeline song. It wasn't their study work. It was the younger kids study work. So here was the deal. Everyone sings. And as soon as everyone sings, I will be done. But the oldest ones will do it just to finish, or they'll badger the little kids to get them to do it. So they don't have to listen to it anymore. Because remember, we didn't have any earphones, anything like that. It's everyone who listened to the same stuff. So um, we did take turns, you know, choosing who to do what or doing stories, or whatever. But oh my goodness, if the little kids weren't participating, the oldest kids made sure their life was miserable until they participated. So yes, in the Marine Corps, exactly. we used to say that like um, the beans will continue until the morale improves. That was like a Marine Corps saying. So badger will continue until you do the work. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. I was just going to say, that sounds like a kind of a team building technique where you all have to work together to get the next step. And, and I was just thinking, that sounds like something that works well in the military. <laughs> well, I, I come from a military family myself, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear how those same dynamics work so well, that really what works well in the military probably just emerged out of smart leaders who took it from their own family dynamics, I'm yes. going to guess. <laughs> Because then we'd have like a treat, like um, they like listening to stories. We did lots of books on tape or, you know, like audio stories. And that was great. That was the treat. I mean, they love listening to books on tape. And then I could stop and say, do you know what that word means? And that was vocab right there. We didn't have to just like have a formal lesson. I said, do you know what that word means? And they were like, oh, uh, uh. so we talked about that <laughs> word and then we continue. So it was great because... And then you hear like, wait, I thought they were talking about this. And then somebody else would jump in. No. So now we're having a serious book discussion while driving and they have no idea it's school. They have no idea. And it's so much fun when they're all participating. It just, it really is a joy. Yeah. And it's really neat too, to me, because I, I read the Chronicles of Narnia to my daughter when she was four the first time. And then again, when she was seven and by the time she was 11, it was like every few years, she was picking them up and reading and then reading them over and over again. And you could see, as we all do with everything from the liturgical year to a great book that we read again and again, every time you step in, you get something more out of it. And as the children are all singing those songs together or listening to that book with you and discussing vocabulary, they're receiving it at their developmental level, but they're making memories and connections that are just incredible. And hopefully it will, those memories draw them back to those classic books and, and the things that you read for fun. Absolutely. I should just say, we, um, as a family, we've driven cross-country several times with the military. I guess how old Tyson's 14. So she was five. So nine years ago, we did our last cross-country trip. Hannah was graduating from high school. She was 17. And we were, we were like, you know what? The little girls have never done a cross-country trip. And we had just studied American history. We have just done a whole thing on American history. And we just memorized all the 50 states and capitals. The little girls had just done this too. So everyone had done that. 
So we did this cross-country trip. We went from sea to shining sea. We visited <laughs> lots of family and friends on the way. And we went, you know, we lived in New Jersey at the time. So we, yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. We drove, or no, we live in here. Lived in New York. So we drove from New York um, to California and then back. Um, a little bit different way on the way back. And the things the kids remembered and the things they from their studies, like, oh, that's the Ozark Mountains. That's, you know, that kills gold. And just like, just amazing things were happening. Um, and just like all the interactions with each other. And just, it was just amazing how much they had learned and what a joy it was for us. At the time though, Hyacinth had a cast from um, hip to uh, ankle because she had broken her leg, broken her tibia. And of course, so we're camping most of our trip because we are a family of nine and we don't afford hotels very often. So we're camping most of the trip and she's in the sleep bag with me in the summer. Very, very comfortable having that big giant cast in the sleep bag with me. But <laughs> So we were at one of the hot springs in um, Arizona. We just found it. One of those things. Someone said, hey, you should try this out. So we did. And we're in hot springs. And Hyacinth, I'm holding her leg up in the air because it's a giant cast. And uh, she's on her back. And she goes, oh, she's fine. This is so luxurious. This is the best. <laughs> and the guy that's walking by, he's one of the people who works there, goes, did she just say luxurious? But like the vocab, because like, you're saying like different ages, her vocabulary was incredible, which is amazing because, and she wouldn't mind me sharing, but Hyacinth had a really hard time learning to read. She was between eight and 10 before she was even a competent reader. But her vocabulary was off the charts just from the oral things. She could memorize, she could give you, people thought she could read because she had books memorized. She could just memorize things, but she really didn't read well until eight to 10 years old. And, and my second child was like that too, really delayed readers. Just all that vibrant, rich vocabulary in the car really, you know, sustained them and helped them through later in life. So, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. And it just prepares their brains for making those connections with the visual word. When words are a place where their imaginations are ignited, where they have happy memories associated, it feels like reading then just happens in the next step. If those children had been in a regular school, maybe they would have been in remedial programs, forcing them and drilling them in a way that wasn't so appealing to their brains. But because they were allowed to develop naturally in the context of the family, they accelerated in ways that then supported them in language acquisition through the visual, which is really interesting. I just want to add that Hank, who was a very delayed reader, graduated cum laude in engineering. So it works. <laughs> hello. Hello. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the institutional uh, guidelines or timelines for our children are really go against the grain of how God has made each child and has kind of given us the opportunity to know them as individuals. I, I must say with seven kids, you'd think there'd be two that were alike, but no, <laughs> there's seven <laughs> different slates. I mean, there's some similarities. They look the same, but uh, yeah, very different learning styles for each of them. So some are very competitive, some are not. <laughs> right. so. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good to hear this because it's affirming, you know, we're told that we're uniquely and wonderfully made by God and by a scripture, up through scripture, the catechism, everything. We're told this all the time, but as homeschoolers, we really get a chance to observe it and to pour into it and to, to watch them blossom. You've mentioned, too, because you've got a whole bunch of teens and young adults now in your family, that sometimes that being on the road together results in good conversation. Oh, yes. So it started out mostly with my oldest. She was, we were in the cheer and football program when we lived in New Jersey. And so four of the five kids, then five of the five kids, and then, you know, five of the six of the seven kids, you know, I kept working every, every year another kid would be involved. But Hannah had practices late at night. 
And at that time, Eric may be home. If he was home, I would just drive with the baby or the baby was and Hannah and because the baby would fall asleep and Hannah would just talk to me. I mean, my 13 year old told me things that I would never have told my mom or asked me questions. And I have to say, she's 26 now and we still talk on her road trips. So when she's driving to and from work, she's calling me. She's calling me and saying, hey, mom, I'm going to make this tonight for dinner or I was thinking about doing this or she'll call her dad. So our conversations with her are when she's driving, it just cracks us up. So she'll <laughs> turn calling Eric or I, you know, who's going to call or her siblings. Um, but we get a call. I get a call like two times a week. He probably gets it two times a week. And then the sisters get a call, but it's just always during her drive time. It's like the best use of your time. She listens to, I know she listens to book on tape on, on the way to work in the, in the morning On the way home from work, she gives us a call. So it's just kind of like, it's a beautiful thing. It's, Still works for her. And then Hank, he still listens to books on tape too. He listens to audio all the time. Not on tape anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. But, I understand. <laughs> yeah. But then just like the same thing, the conversations that we have alone in the car are still beautiful. I still have two kids I drive separately with um, to different practices and they still, that's the time. That's the time when they're, you know, I'm not on my phone. I'm not doing anything else. I, they have my full attention besides watching the road, but they have, they have me. And I love that. I love it when they put their own phone down and they talk to me. Beautiful. It's funny. I read somewhere when my daughter was a teenager that if you're doing something together side by side, like chopping vegetables before dinner or raking leaves or whatever, your kids are, your teenagers are more likely to open up to you rather than that face to face, I'm staring at you, talk to me experience. And it seems to me that while you're driving and you're watching the road and you're a little occupied, it gives them that extra space as they're starting to kind of claim their own identities as teens and young adults to kind of be in their own thoughts a little bit. But and yet, that car space has been established as a place of connection. So it just seems like the groundwork has been laid for that to be a place of disclosure and intimacy. It is. Now, there was one bad side to that. I always call it, I had their, my captured audience then too. So like <laughs> all the kids are in the car and they've all done something to upset mommy that morning. Um, that was my lecture time. I cannot believe that you did this. I cannot believe you couldn't see. Like, you know, Eric, I joke around about being superheroes because we can see the trash on the floor. We can see the opening cabinets and they can't. It's not their superpower yet. But um, but in the car, it was like a captured audience. So not only for negative things, but for positive things too. I could tell them all kinds of great things about, like we do family stories sometimes. I'll talk about, you know, their grandparents. Like my father died before they were ever born. So I tell them stories about my grand, about my father, about my grandparents, and about you know, grandpa was born the same time period that this happened. You know, just like that kind of stuff. So family stories, it's a captured audience. You know, when you're in a car, everyone's got their seatbelt on, especially when they're little and they're all strapped in their car seats. You have a captured audience. You know, don't waste that time. You know, use that time for something good. A little lecture first, but then something good. You know, but I always enjoy leaving something positive. So, yeah. And and so neat too that both can happen there. The 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 reset, you know, and the, these things need to happen and the humor that you weave into it with the whole superpowers thing. I know the kids roll their eyes, but I guarantee you they're gonna save the great one liners for their own kids. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you you all as a family too have been through a great deal in terms of speed bumps and potholes. As we kind of close out, step us into how is this connectedness on the journey together, both literally and figuratively, how does that weave together a safe place 
to handle the potholes and the detours? Well, we have had quite a few of those. <laughs> so um, we, I could talk to you about one of my children's potholes or one of my own potholes. I don't know which one you'd like to hear more. So um, what would you like to hear more, Lisa? <laughs> let's, let's, go with, uh, let's go with one of yours. Okay. So one of my potholes. So the oldest was in college. So everyone was living at home still. And I was diagnosed with, I had both ovarian and breast cancer. The ovarian was caught as early as you could possibly catch it. It was all encapsulated. So that was good. Um, and then uh, I told him about my family history, my dad's side of the family, you know, all six children had had cancer at that time, four had died from their cancers. So um, they always just do a little gene study and they did a gene study. And lo and behold, I had this horrible gene called ATM. It has lots of cancers associated with one being pancreatic breast ovarian, lung, prostate, and bladder cancers are all associated with it. So I had relatives who died from all those cancers at this point. Wow. I had breast cancer. I had a bilateral mastectomy. And one of my children was only third. Helen was 13th time. And Helen, God love her. She, she could run the household at probably five. But at 13, she was not only helping out with laundry, um, she was doing all kinds of things for the family, making dinner. And then Hope, who was 15, was the compassionate one. And she was attending to everyone's emotional side. And then Hollis, and, uh, Hollis couldn't drive yet. So Hollis was at school. Um, and when he would come home, he helped out with whatever he could help out with, usually just with math. And then Hank and Hannah would drive because Hank could drive if I was in the car with them. But he couldn't drive by himself. He only had a permit. So they would drive. They did whatever driving because there was... A good month I couldn't drive, besides the friends who stepped in and helped out and my husband being here and there. It was it was a rough, but everyone was in it together. I mean, like it was like we all had our little part to play and everyone came in, everyone worked together hand in hand. So um, it, I oftentimes forget that I had breast cancer. <laughs> I oftentimes <laughs> forget I had a mastectomy. I just like, oh wait, yeah, I had that. So, but it's just like, because we joke about it here. We make jokes about different things that, you know, I have different powers now that I had before, different flexing I can do that I couldn't do before. And it's like a joke, with, especially with the boys, because I can flex things better than they can. <laughs> sort of parts of my body. But, um, it's just very funny how we make jokes about it all and how everyone had their part to play. and Everyone stepped up, I mean, really stepped up into big roles. Um just like we did in the car, everyone had their part to play. Or when we do a play, everyone has a part to play. And they just all keep coming together, no matter what, what life throws at us. So, And they, they see ready. your joy. Yeah, they were ready for it. You had been preparing them all along without knowing what was ahead on the road. You were teaching them so much, leading them into beautiful books and ideas that and, and history that shows even our nation or in our world have potholes and detours and that people do survive and build on those things and that beautiful family humor that you all share, that camaraderie. Forced family fun. Yes, forced family fun. I love that. That, that's, that is another topic. We have to do a whole topic just on that because it's so great, uh, you know, because so much comes out of that and so much character building when the family <laughs> is forced to have fun together. I love it. It's hilarious. We, we're, we're a little too respectful sometimes of our children's wishes. Sometimes we have to force them to do things that are good for them and good for the family. We've got to have you back for that. That's going to be so much fun. 
Teresa, you've um, given me permission to hand out your email address. I'm sure there are people who are going to want to talk with you. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing, you know, a really tough struggle that you went through, but also all the beautiful, joyful, creative stuff that you've done. Everybody, if you want to reach out to Teresa Hansen, she's at E-T-H-K-I-D-S at yahoo.com. That will be in the show notes along with several resources that she recommended as we were chatting and possibly one or two others. Again, she's at E-T-H-K-I-D-S at yahoo.com. Teresa, can't thank you enough. Thank you for a great conversation. All right, everybody. Thank you for being with us and stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. everyone, this is Chantal Howard with From Ideal to Real, making lofty and holy pipe dreams seem more accessible and attainable for Catholic moms, especially you homeschooling mamas everywhere. Oh boy, are you one of those moms for whom homeschooling just doesn't come naturally? Do you feel like it's just a perpetual slog <laughs> and that you must be messing up your kids indefinitely? Are you the mom who feels like you're always behind, never on schedule, always playing referee to your squabbling kids? Maybe you're just constantly wondering (laughs) if you can even call what you're doing school at all. (laughs) Maybe your toddlers just shriek through every lesson. Maybe your house is a wreck. Maybe you have no time for the basic things like meal prep or laundry folding or self-care. Maybe you often take out your anger and irritability on your kids and then shrivel up the next moment in such intense guilt that nothing gets done. Maybe you're battling so many of the other complexities of our times, enduring a health crisis, or or feel like you just don't have a clue how to keep your kids on point. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, your kids are telling you that they hate school. And you're wavering. You're contemplating throwing in the towel and just giving up. Maybe you think some people just have the homeschool vibe and others don't. Maybe you wish you had the Insta page of glorious, free, and creative homeschooling projects that you see paraded across your feed. Maybe you're just convinced that you're the anomaly. And everyone else is just living it up with bright kids, eager readers, math all-stars, and spelling bee extraordinaires. (laughs) If this even remotely resembles the frustration and anxiety you're feeling, then know that you are not alone. Join the club. I, in part, am this mom. So are so many countless others who are wondering if there's any way to salvage the school year at this point. So to the burnt out me... And to all of you out there that just feel like maybe homeschooling isn't your thing, I cry out to you, even if I'm faking it till I'm making it, friends, you are not a failure. You are a school of life master mentor who can navigate the waves of life and are teaching unspeakable wisdom and courage to your children simply by not giving up. 
The truth is that to survive is often what it means to thrive. Because when our feeble efforts meet the power of God, our weakness is made into strength through God's mighty goodness. I want to end now with just a small reflection that echoes in my heart when I feel homeschool weariness creeping back in. There is no failure that God cannot reverse. No humiliation he cannot exchange for blessing. No anger he cannot dissolve. No routine he cannot transfigure. All is swallowed up in glory. He has nothing but gifts to offer. It remains only for us to find how even the cross can be born as a gift. If homeschool is your cross right now, my friend, keep striving forward. If I can be your Simon of Cyrene right now, please reach out to me personally and let's connect. After all, (laughs) if homeschooling still feels like Holy Week, just remember to hold on. Your Easter tide is coming. Summer (laughs) is nearly here. (laughs) Oh, my friends, let's hang in there together. I'm Chantal Howard. You can find me at chantal-howard.com and aromarosary.com. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.